Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best of the best to help you scale your business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today, we have a very special guest. His name is Aviran Yakov, the co-founder and CEO at Ecoplant. Aviran, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for hosting me. It's a pleasure. And uh, yeah, let's get to know more uh, about yourself and about uh, Ecoplant. So maybe we start with your background and uh, and why did you found Ecoplant? Yeah, so I'm coming with, from the IT um, background. Um, I used to work with the SAP a few years before uh, I started Ecoplant. And um, I'm aware of, you know, uh, business challenges, daily challenges. Uh, I used to do uh, projects and uh, millions of dollars of, uh, of uh, SaaS uh, implementation software in mm -hmm. factories um, and, 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 you know, in general in, in, in businesses. And, um, you know, in two, back in 2016, we saw the, the, um, the, the problem with compressed air systems in factories. So, um, um, I just I, I just started from this one. Okay. I have I have a, I have a MBA, um, and also uh, um, a degree in the communication and the media, um, mm -hmm. and also um, um, analyze of information systems. Got it. So and. Uh... What did you make uh, start? What happened to start um, uh, Ecoplant? So, and what is Ecoplant? So, we're developing a software to um, control and minimize the uh, energy consumption of compressed air systems in factories, which, uh, according to the US uh, Department of Energy, is uh, cost hundreds of thousands of dollars waste every year for factories. Um, It's a result of the uh, lack of uh, um, um, optimization of this uh, of these systems, uh, leaks, block blockages, in the pipes, uh, poorly maintenance, treatments, uh, overcapacity, redundancy, many problems that you have in compressor systems. And uh, what we do, we actually develop a software. Um, it's just a software that's connected to these air compressors. We pull out hundreds of signals from the compressors, um, pressure flow, kilowatts, everything from the compressors, also from pipeline sensors. We aggregate all this data to the cloud and uh, dynamically control the, the compressors. We will give a detail about what it means uh, dynamically, but um, mainly we raised the $8 million dollars uh, so far for this uh, software. And- um, Got it. Well done. So, and what is the the size of uh, of the team at this stage at Ecoplant? Currently, we are 15 people, and um, we are growing every day. <laughs> Sounds amazing. So, we always discuss on the show three critical ingredients to to scale, and we invite you to co-create them uh, with us. So. Number one is radical focus. Number two is world-class team slash leadership. And number three, a culture of um, execution. So starting with number one, uh, radical focus. So it's, it, it's really easy to get distracted and to go to any opportunity that comes on, on our way, especially in the early stages uh, of a company. I agree. I agree. It is also 
complex to to stay loyal to a certain uh, sector geography or size of company depending on our business model and on the company of course uh, and in your case uh, i think that you very early on decided to move to to the us originally you are from israel so if you could let us know a little bit more some of your insights and some of your lessons about assuring that you have radical focus and you go step by step uh, scaling the company Yeah, so I fully agree. Um, the focus is something that's very, very important uh, to the to the growth of the of the, of the company. Um, it's related to everything, right? Uh, because um, first, to be focused on your product, you know who who are your customers, your users, uh, your business case. So in our our case, we were uh, was um, actually um, uh, very focused on the beginning on compressed resistance. My father used to used to manage these systems and uh, maintain, and he managed few companies in, in, in the industry. So um, we know we knew that there is a specific problem in this industry. So just, we just woke up one day and said, "Let's do a optimization to air compressors." I really believe that uh, you need uh, someone that would be an expert in, in the field. Um, so we partnered three co-founders, each one of them, you know, on other other field, but being focused on air compressors was uh, the first number one for us you know to be uh, focused on the on the product and number two focus is uh, of course uh, the market um, we could do many things and I can say that in the beginning um, so we do we did both uh, implementations in Israel but also in Europe so we installed the system in, in Italy in Germany and the UK and Georgia many places in the in Europe but um, But then when we thought, where is going to be our focus for the next few years, we understand that we want to do something uh, first in English, because it's, it's easy for us you know, to develop something in English. So we went to, um, to the UK, and then it was like a choice between the UK and the US. We had a very big opportunity in the US uh, for our uh, development, for the product. So uh, we partnered with a huge company named Ecolab, And from there, the focus was very, very clear to us, you know, to be in the U.S. Got it. This, this is a, a very good point, the way you defined your kind of your segmentation and your priorities. I would say that prioritization is something that seems pretty obvious, but uh, very few leaders are able to really prioritize because it means that you are... Uh, leaving something behind right or yeah. out of the equation and especially yeah. in a moment where you don't know how you will uh, raise the next round or uh, acquire the next customers letting something outside is very counterintuitive it seems that you are uh, excluding some of your or decreasing your probabilities of success right and it's exactly the opposite so you are specializing yourself you are Uh, bringing your attention to a specific segment and trying to be world-class on that segment, on that niche. And that's the way you can compete with, uh, yeah. with other players and differences yourselves. And what I, what I loved about what you just said was first in English, and then we need to decide between the UK and the US. So from my experience working with a lot of scale-up leaders, uh, there will be a, a huge temptation to say, let's do UK, and the US, <laughs> so uh, we have already kind of uh, segmented it. So it's, it's just UK and the US where we are saying no to everything uh, else. Yeah. So I, 
I like the kind of focus that you that you just brought to to the equation. So number two is is really that world class team, and you already introduced it that you started with three uh, co-founders. Maybe it should be a good insight to, to share a little bit more about the way you, these three co-founders. Uh, how are you organizing in terms of um, functions, or what are the areas of the company that you covered in the beginning, and how is it evolving now to uh, let's say the leadership team 1.0, uh, as I like to call it. I'm sorry, something with the video. Can you repeat the question? Yes, absolutely. So I was um, I was asking you. You introduced it that uh, EcoPlant was uh, founded by three co-founders. Yeah. So maybe first question is, um, what were the responsibilities or the roles of each of the co-founders uh, yeah. in the company? Yeah. So each one of them, like, we took different roles in the company. I'm the CEO, and uh, you know, and um, in charge of the sales and the fundraising money. <laughs> mainly um uh, the Fair. other <laughs> father is uh, yeah it's, it's my father as i said he's a compressor expert so he's like a more like product expert now <laughs> in our, in our uh, uh, case and uh Yaron, which is uh, the third one he's the cto so he's uh, the you know in charge of and manage all the r d team um mm -hmm. this is that the got it how I didn't know about that, but uh, let's improvise a bit. Uh, how, how is the sensation of working with with the father in a high growth company backed by uh, VC mindset? Right. Yeah. So in in, in our case, my father is uh, is not involved on on the daily business management. So uh, mm -hmm. he's uh, more again he's more focused on the product side. He um, he's just there. Um, he doesn't, he, he, he's not, you know, participating in the management or board meetings. It's very, very important for, for us, you know, to separate those two things. Um, so he's uh, really, really focused on the product growth and, uh, you know, a definition and, and, and stuff like that. So, um, so we see, uh, we try to separate these two things, you know, family and business very much right. and so far with success and uh, um, mainly working with the father, uh, I feel it's a privilege for me, you know, to to work with my father. It's uh, it's amazing to see that uh, his dream is coming through, you know, uh, like years and years, and um, you know, you just see it, and um, it's it's really great. <laughs> Got it. Uh, and by the way, in terms of geographies, uh, you are based in Chicago in yep. the in the US, and. Yep. Um, your other two co-founders are in Israel or some of them are with you in, no, in the US? They're both, both in Israel. All the team now is in Israel. Uh, the R&D team and the management all, all in Israel. But now we are starting the US headquarters. We're recruiting also um, like a cool. local team here. Got it. And uh, so any advice for other founders who need to go to the target market and go alone and still get in touch uh, with the team at, at their uh, own country or the domestic market where they started the company? And, uh, and I, I like much more the, the grit, right? And the, the emotional resilience to go through uh, those decisions and and even be even better through the execution, making it happen, right? 
So any, any nice experiences or any advice that you would give to other founders who might be resisting to go to where they know they need to go? Yeah, just do it. Just move. <laughs> That's it. Simple. <laughs> Very simple. Um, it's like, you know, when, uh, when I started the company, uh, people told me, you know, you will never succeed to, to manage uh, and do like a new uh, startup and uh, working with your daily job, you know, um, and uh, they right was right. So uh, uh, it took us, you know, six months. I don't say just quit your job or just move to another country right away. Um, build, build a plan, you know, build a, a sustained plan for you and for your business to success. Um, and just, you know, after you make sure that you have everything ready, you can move. It's, it's the same thing like, you know, you, you quit your job and then, you know, starting the business. You can do your business if you are not full-time employee and if you're not there in the market. You can tell a lot of stories. And I can say for personal, personal uh, experience, um, it could not work. It could it could work maybe for for you know for a short time, for a few months. Mm -hmm. That's it. Uh, especially now, by the way, with the, with the COVID, I think you know um, it's like illusion that you have everything like remotely Zoom. Right, we right. like you know do this the, the business discussions. Nothing happened from my uh, perspective if you're not actually in the market. So. Um, and even of course, it's depends. It's, it really depends on your you know industry, uh, but still, I'm a strong believer that you need to be in the market. Right. And I think that this is even related with the radical focus, but also on kind of how, how to stay together as a team and uh, how to have each member of the team doing what needs to be done and uh, and really. How can I say, real having a strong loyalty around the mission and the vision of the company and really having a strong belief. And that's what you are showing when you, you just go, what you say, that, that's what needs to be done. I just do it. That's it. Simple. Um, but uh, why? Uh, another question that a lot of founders would have and a lot of CEOs would have was, what city should I choose in the US? Of course, it will depend on the vertical, but why Chicago for you? For us, it just um, um, it's, it's because it's it's uh, you have a lot of uh, the legacy industry, the manufacturing industry uh, around mm -hmm. here. So yeah, it's uh, it was and you can you just fly one hour for everywhere. So you know, to everywhere. Um, right. So it's, it's it's like the um, it's, it's 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 the obvious choice for us. Got it. So it's kind of the industrial hub, and at the same time, it's it's close to the other hubs. Okay, got it. And so, so I, I was kind of on inside the world-class team component or ingredient. I was kind of moving for, through the, this transition from a founding team to the first version of the leadership team. So having the free co-founders in your case, the free co-founders already cover a lot of the functions, but sometimes if you have a solo founder or just two co-founders, uh, very early on, you need to bring other leaders to, to the first version of the leadership team. So what was the first uh, leader that you have hired after the free co-founders to the leadership team? So um, developers, we hired the developers. Um, it was um, actually two developers that we uh, hired for the company and um, and also uh, to kind of business development mm -hmm. after them. 
So we're the, we're the co-founding team, um, those two developers, and uh, you know, then um, um, yeah, business development. This was the the first day of hiring. Got it. And, and in terms of the leadership player, um, so do you have kind of did you hire VP sales, VP marketing, VP product, or uh, anything like like that, or? Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, we always had you know my, my father was a you know a expert of the product, so uh, yeah, you don't need it, product. right? Yeah, but still now uh, a few months ago, so we decided we need the VP of product because it's uh, it's different now. Uh, you need someone that has also the the perspective of software. You know, he's an expert of the product of the he's a product expert, but not the mm -hmm. product not not a software product. Got so it, now we are, yeah. Now we are recruiting. We, we recruited the so uh, like a product that would be actually an expert uh, of the de of developing the software. Got it. This is very interesting. And when we we were preparing this this conversation for this episode of the podcast, um, I think there, there was a study from Index or Axel in in the UK. Uh, where they observed that the European companies uh, hire the VP of product too late compared to the U US um, competitors or to the US players. And, uh, and it, it's, it's great to see that you are starting with the VP of product uh, instead of the VP sales or the VP market, uh, which are typically the, the first moves of these kind of companies. So, why the VP? Why did you decide to start with the with the VP product? Again, because we need someone that will be owner of the product. Right. Simple. And you think that this will create more impact than, for instance, uh, VP sales at at this stage of the company? I think you know, um, mainly the the people that that know how to sell the product. The best is is the um, is the people that are already in the company. Recruit some someone that will start selling. If it takes like uh, I'm, I'm originally I'm you know I'm, I'm coming from the sales industry, so I know that uh, it takes between six to twelve months to to um, recruit someone that will be very very good on sales on your product. So um, I think in the beginning for us um, and and for us right, right now the um, the urgency of bringing a VP of product is it's it's you know, it's it's higher than uh, than sales uh, because you want to make sure that you're doing the right uh, roadmap. Um, we, we we don't see like um, like a problem or it's like a bottleneck with the sales. It's it's, it's like more creating the right uh, product first. That's you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Um, Got it. Uh, th this is interesting. What you are just saying is also um, in, in the 160 plus episodes that we had on the show, uh, if there is one lesson that uh, every CEO has learned from hiring the VP cells is, is, is the timing and, and of course the profile of that VP cells. And it is better first to be able to sell yourself and to see some repetition and predictability then to make others like account executives and SDRs uh, make the process uh, work as well before hiring uh, VP sales, right? And because 
uh, that VP cell sometimes needs to already have a machine in place. And if that VP cells is too senior, maybe that, that is not the profile that will build the revenue machine. So that, that machine needs already to be built. That person will just scale the machine and uh, multiply the repeatability that you already have um, in, in the sales process, right? So I think that's, that's kind of uh, the summary and why that's, that the VP sales is sometimes even more important than the profile, it's, it's the timing and, and when. Right? I agree. Cool. Number, number three is the culture of execution. And uh, I would say two components. Culture is, is super critic, uh, critical, but um, also the rhythms of communication uh, also build the company and make things happen. And I think just this move uh, that you made to the US shows a little bit the values of the company and what you want to see on other uh, people in, in the company. So how are you able to assure that everyone is on the same page, having the majority of the team at this stage in Israel and having the CEO in, 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 in Chicago? Yeah, so uh, first uh, our CFO became to, uh, to be, um, trying to be uh, the site manager in Israel. So um, uh, he's the management level, and of course uh, he's uh, being on a daily basis with the team. So uh, you know he's uh, more involved now. There, um, we do like weekly calls. All the company like uh, we have uh, like Thursday Thursday uh, tradition. Mm -hmm. um, so we do it every, every uh, Thursday. Right. And uh, yeah, yeah, you know, with, with, with now in the COVID, I think again it's like many people have worked remotely. So this thing, by the way, it's a plus because you asked about like moving to another country um, and being more close to the, to the market. I think, you know, today you can just have your team everywhere, right? And you can talk um, virtually. Right. So it's, uh, it's kind of the same, the, the only gap or the only challenge that you have there is, is also the, the time yeah. zone difference, right? Yeah. which is better than being in, in the Pacific uh, time zone, uh, but still kind of seven Spain? hours. In the Pacific time zone? You mean like uh, West Coast? So yes, I, I mean, uh, if you were in the West Coast, that would be even more challenging for you to communicate yeah. with, uh, with Israel. Sure. That's, that's what I mean. West Coast is, is 10 hours from Israel. Exactly. So I I believe that it's eight hours uh, in in Chicago of of difference. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So. Okay. So which means that uh, and the question was that and so usually you dedicate your um, your mornings to stay in touch with the, with the team. Correct. Yep. Okay. Actually, you know, it's 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 now crazy because I have like every every morning. You know, when I was when I when I was in Israel, so actually my days would stretch up to uh, to the evenings, right? Because I had like many calls, and uh, uh, it's like uh, nine or ten or eleven p.m. in Israel because you walk with with with, uh, with, with Chicago with the with the Midwest. And right. now now it's the opposite. Like I'm I'm just starting my day in six a.m. six thirty, mm -hmm. but I'm finished also in around four five. That's it. Uh, which right. is great. I have two kids, you know, it's a, it's a great to be with them at least like one hour, two hours in a day. So, um, wow, that's, that gives it even more, uh, let's say hats off to you being able to make all these moves with, with the family as well. So well yeah. done. <laughs> 
Okay, so we are getting to to the end of uh, to the end of the show, but um, maybe uh, I would like also to remind our audience that this is a special episode of uh, the Breakthrough Engineering Season in partnership with IMI uh, Hydronic Engineering. And um, so, how has been uh, your your main persona, your main customer is also enterprises, right? So, how has been your experience uh, working with enterprises? What are the main lessons for other leaders that want to engage better with uh, enterprise customers? I think today, you know, in 2020, we are in in, in a world that it's. Um, you have many ways to reach out uh, enterprises, you know, for, for small startups and uh, young entrepreneurs. Um, I think that there are many ways to do it. Uh, you don't need to just uh, starting to do phone calls to uh, enterprises and try to find the right person. And so you have, of course, LinkedIn and other, uh, you know, tools. Uh, but from my perspective, I think, you know, it's very, um, would be very beneficial and, and do some sh shortcuts if you take like a very, very good acceleration program, uh, but you need to pick up because there is a lot out of acceleration programs, I suggest to choose the, 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 the top five. So for example, we chose uh, uh, Techstars, which is, uh, yeah, it's amazing, amazing program. You know, uh, there are specifically on our case. So, uh, you know, we chose first the program uh, before it, it, it Techstars, um, um, the um, the reason for us to choose is first the team of the of the you know the team of the of the program. So it was found to fork is the food and beverage industry in Minnesota. So number one industry, number two market, number three the partners. So there are two huge enterprises that partnered with Techstars uh, Minnesota. It's Ecolab and Cargill. Both of them are really really uh, connected to what we do. So Cargill, it's uh, the biggest private company in, in the States. They have mm -hmm. 1,500 factories. So for us, it's huge. And Ecolab, uh, actually, we share the same vision with Ecolab, which is amazing. They uh, also um, like to reduce uh, carbon you know, put, uh, footprint, uh, CO2, uh, energy consumption, and they you know, uh, uh, help factories to, uh, to um, maintain better equipment and uh, optimize it. So they are both uh, partners and their customers and of course investors. That's amazing. And uh, even in the names, there is a relationship, uh, yeah, EcoPlant Eco and EcoLab. So it seems that it's yeah. part of the same group. Uh, here, here, you see EcoLab, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, um, it, it's, it's great. And what I wanted to say that if you want to, uh, to engage with corporate, so Ecolab, uh, Techstars for them, it's their way to, uh, to invest in technologies, to be exposed to technologies, to talk with, uh, with the entrepreneurs and uh, try to uh, explore maybe pilots or, or other stuff. So I think, you know, going to a very good acceleration program, and I, I can highly, highly, highly recommend of Techstars, which is one of the best programs that partnering with the, you know, with the corporates. Um, so just just choose your program because there are like 50, 60 programs that are running on the same time globally. Um, there are also other programs. We, we, we participated in other program of IBM, uh, which is help us to connect to the, you know, to the corporate and the, the technology level. It helped us also a lot in the, the beginning of the way. Um, 
so yeah, I think partnering through programs, sometimes also, you know, you have companies that has like um, chief of innovation. So you can try to reach out to him also. Um, in our case, so we, uh, um, you know, created relationships with the companies like, such as uh, uh, Danone and uh, Nestle, you know. Uh, so uh, again, it's uh, we started from uh, the innovation. Both of them started from, from the innovation. From innovation, that's a good um, insight, um, especially because those guys might be able to translate and assure that you navigate uh, correctly and effectively in, in yeah. and point you to the right stakeholders in the corporate and uh, helping you to save a lot of time um, in in the process. They also have the incentive to to be able to prove that they are able to create innovation or to foster collaboration. So it's also on their own interest to be able to connect uh, corporate leaders with, um, with scale-up leaders. But anyway, sometimes when you don't have that lack of having that translator, uh, sometimes it's difficult because the corporate might not understand that you are in the journey that needs to be scalable. So you can't have the luxury to develop something just for them. If not, you will become um, a services company. Uh, do you think that when that happens, uh, should a leader try to educate or explain uh, to the corporate what is happening or you should only assume that this might not be the right partner and, and, and move on? I think this is one of the biggest problems that the startup says, you know, um, they find themselves as a product company, but in the end they, they find themselves working with one or two customers that they just provide services around the product and just customize the product so much that it would be actually for the corporate. So uh, I can say that we are really try here to, um, you know, in, in one way to find more customers and not depending on, on just to one corporate. Uh, we also said no. We also said no to customers. Uh, for example, so we had a customer from uh, um, from the chemical industry, and they are really, really want our, our software. They have like a fifty huge factories globally, uh, but the problem that they want on premise uh, on premise uh, uh, solution. So our cloud based solution which sounds great, but they want it locally. Uh, right. So for us, you know, the, uh, and they, they were, was willing to pay everything like from first day without pilot, just just come. Um, but the problem is that you're doing something specifically for them that on premise, it's something that it's, it's not in your roadmap. You need to develop so many things and, and get all your resources in your small company. You don't have like unlimited resources. It's uh, put you on a defocus. Um, and I think, you know, Sometimes say no, it's better than say yes to customers. Absolutely. So having the, the courage to say no. And sometimes we might be even surprised, right? The customer will, will respect us even more and will come back to us. Yeah. Look, maybe we, we can live with your uh, standard solution and with small tweaks, tweaks we, we can get there. So let's try to find out uh, a new way of collaboration. So we don't need to ask you to demand so much at this stage from you. I agree. So that's that's cool. And all right. And so we are 
coming really to the end of the show and I just wanted to, of course, ask you what are the main challenges for the future before I, I do the wrap up with our favorite question? Yeah, so I think, you know, the challenges, of course, is keeping, keep expanding and um, see how we can take the product from, you know, from 100 to 1,000. There are many questions, you know, how to do it. Uh, it's uh, product questions, it's uh, team questions. It's like always, you know, you have like uh, growing pains, you know what I mean? Like, um, um, but I think, yeah, for us, like now the challenge is uh, to expand the team in the U.S., you know, we're starting here, the team, uh, choose the right partners. Uh, we have huge opportunities in front of us right now. Um, so we need to, to make sure that the, these first customers in the U.S., they are satisfied, they're, they're happy. We created like case studies and references for our customers and then keep growing the company and the, you know, and the expanding both on the corporate and, you know, on the site level. Got it. Sounds good. And so if you would have the opportunity to, um, to meet your, your younger Aviran at the beginning of the company, what advice would you offer to your younger self? Move to the States earlier. <laughs> Love it. So clear, simple. Aberrant, it was really a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks so much for making the time and, and keep scaling. Thank you very much. So and to our community, thanks for being on that side. We keep bringing you the best of the best so you can learn from their experiences and keep scaling your business from 1 million to 1 trillion. This is a special episode in partnership with IMI Hydronic Engineering. See you soon and keep scaling.